Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from our studios here in Santa Monica, California. Um, I must say, as a, a son of New England, that um, our our hearts are saddened and our, our sympathies go out to all those affected by the bombing at the Boston Marathon, which I've attended in the past, and um, to the families of Crystal Campbell and um, Martin Richard, um, especially who um, and the unidentified third person um, who from China who has name has not been announced. Um, very hard these to them as well and um and hope for um swift justice um we have a special um show today um april 15th was um the day of the marathon it was also um patriots day in boston and excuse me massachusetts and but um it often falls on the um, day for tax filing, which is April 15th. And uh, so, with, as usual, we did, we did this last year, we focused on um, uh, some of the issues in taxation, particularly with respect to in the tech area and Apple um, housing a great amount of um, income offshore. And so, we have one of the preeminent um, experts and um, journalists in, when it comes to tax a policy and um, it's it's maybe abuse um, and um, Pulitzer Prize winning author David K. Johnson and he's um, we have him um, from his home in New York. Are you with us? I sure am. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. And um, David came to prominence, I think, from through the New York Times where he was its tax reporter and he won a Pulitzer Prize in 2001 for his um, penetrating and enterprising reporting that exposed loopholes and inequalities in the U.S. tax code. And that, that I'm assuming that also led to your book, Perfectly Legal, the covert campaign to rig our tax systems? Yes, it was the, actually led to three books. It was a trilogy I've just finished. The first one, Perfectly Legal, is about taxes and it won the investigative book of the year award the second book in the series free lunch which came out five years ago is about subsidies to very wealthy people that uh, very few people knew about and then my current book which came out last september the fine print 
is about restraint of trade and the rise of monopolies, duopolies, and oligopolies, uh, and the the damage done both to smaller businesses and trying to compete and to consumers. And and that's through the fine print in various legal documents, correct? Absolutely. Oh, I wouldn't know anything about that whatsoever. Um, Nobody reads it unless they get paid to read it. Um, there's a famous instance, and in, um, you may you probably heard or familiar with. And um, two years ago, on April Fools, a, a UK game site um, called GameStation or GameStop actually. Oh uh, yeah, they offered three thousand dollars to the first person who spotted the thing that said "email us," and we'll give you three thousand dollars, the equivalent of three thousand dollars. Oh no, that was another one. This That's one, about what I wanted to have. Somebody finally did, but it was like months after they put it up on the web. No, this one was just for one day, and it was more creative um, and more sinister, which means they had the lawyers involved. And <laughs> um, it it re- basically said that you had two options: you can um, you can register, and um, in which case you are transferring us in perpetuity an option to your eternal soul, or <laughs> um, you can opt out and get the equivalent, you know, and get um, five pounds. And I think it was in the neighborhood of twelve people opted out. Twelve, twelve percent, twelve percent opted out. And, and, and so, and I always thought that you know, if they really were serious about the prank, that the, the next year they sh- for April Fools they should have opened up a soul division. But um, <laughs> so now, now well, I'm, you know, Rich, Judge Richard Posner, who is I think without question the most widely read uh, jurist in the country from all of his books and and articles. Uh, uh, told a legal conference a couple of years ago, and I recount this in the free print, in the free fine print, that when he was refinancing his home, uh, he said, "I didn't read; I just signed." True. And so, if Richard Posner doesn't read the fine print, then of course all sorts of things get buried in there that we're just not aware of. Now, I'm sure that happens in, a, in a, an alarming rate. But um, also alarming is I've seen that. Um, for example, Apple is sheltering up to a billion dollars a week offshore through um, various concoctions known as the the Ireland, the Irish, and the double back to the Virgin Islands. There's all these. The, well, it's called the the uh, uh, it's called a, a double Dutch sandwich uh, with Irish in between. Um, yes, one of the most important and least understood trends in the U.S. Uh, that's damaging the fisc, the, the Treasury, and is in 1986, as part of the Tax Reform Act, Reagan signed a provision that repealed the excess retained earnings section of the tax code if you had the money offshore. And, and just for our listeners, excess retained earnings, what would that be? Well, uh, Congress, since the corporate income tax began in 1909, has always had a rule, it's changed from time to time, but it's always had a rule that says you cannot hold on to more cash and near cash, things like uh, today money market funds or right. treasury notes, then you need reasonably to operate your business. Otherwise, a corporation would just become a giant bloated tax shelter and profits that are earned instead of being recirculated through the economy through dividends, uh, salaries, purchase of new equipment, further investment, would be effectively stuffed into a mattress. And this 1986 rule said, well, exception, 
doesn't apply provided that you have the money offshore, which, of course, means mom and pop and purely domestic businesses are sort of out of luck. And what happened after the passage of that law is that immediately American companies began selling their intellectual property rights, the logos for uh, a hotel signs, uh, their their patent, uh, their pat their patents for drugs, the manu the the manufacturing process they have that's exclusive. The thing that makes, for example, and I don't know if this one applies, but all Thomas's muffins are alike, and they're all different from everybody else's. They began transferring from their American companies to offshore subsidiaries and tax havens. Then they start paying these subsidiaries royalties, and that turns profits earned in the United States into tax-deductible expenses held offshore. And so long as that money is not brought back as profits, there's no tax on it. And while in theory you can't borrow that money, you actually can. What companies do is they set up laddered loans from themselves, so they borrow a billion dollars this week from Cayman Island subsidiary number 47, and then they repay it, and they borrow a billion dollars the same day from subsidiary number 82. So they do get the money back to use it, and but it, it grows untaxed. And it, it, it seems, you know, when I hear that, and I've heard things similar um, things described before, it seems that the tax code is divorced from um, economic reality. That in in a but for world where you're not making decisions based on tax, um, that transaction would never happen. That's exactly right. Uh, This is entirely mining the tax code and mining the treasury. And one of the lessons that business has learned since 1980, especially, uh, and that we've seen, you can document through the explosion of the growth of the tax code and the number of lobbyists of all kinds in Washington is that it is easier to mine the public treasury for gold than to earn profits in the marketplace. And so we have all of these devices that have been stuck into the law, and I get told about new ones all the time, and there are many of them you can't find unless you know who put in this section unrelated to that section somewhere else, unrelated to two words somewhere else, that create tax favors for various uh, corporations or or um, industries. It's it's amazing, and um, it, the idea. I mean, the and it, it's ironic. You're citing the 1986 law, which was introduced to simplify our tax system. Um, yeah, and you, you and basically you're saying it created a fantasy land and playground for um, creative tax accountants. Well, the Tax Reform Act in some ways was was very good law. What's happened now is we've had uh, 25 years of lobbyists working their way through it to undo uh, what was originally planned. I mean, there's certainly problems we can see now with the 1986 Act. Probably the most widely understood one is the alternative minimum tax under which uh, if you get cancer or someone in your family gets cancer or some other very expensive illness, Congress in some cases, literally raises your taxes by reducing how much you're allowed to deduct for your medical expenses. I, that, that, that is the definition of an immoral tax. And right. since I first exposed that back in 1999 when I was at the New York Times, more than 100 members of Congress have in various forums said that's wrong. But, you know, 
Nobody's done anything to fix it. By the way, the money is very small. It's about fifth, the best estimate we've been able to come up with is about $50 million a year that costs taxpayers because so few people are affected. But if something only costs $50 million, why can't you why do it? it? Yeah. I mean, I always thought that the, 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 they always index the AMT or, or they don't index the AMT. I feel well, they, they, they temporarily index it and, and, uh, that was one of the tricks of the Bush administration. When George W. Bush came in, he wanted $1.8 trillion in tax cuts, and the Senate was only willing to give him $1.3. So the way they achieved it was they approved the $1.8, and then they took back uh, what turned out to be more than the difference through the alternative minimum tax, which is essentially a tax on uh, two-income families who own their house and have uh, more than two children and live in the high-tax states, which is to say that states that pay high wages. Um, it is often misdescribed in the, in the news media, and, and I've tangled with my former employer, the New York Times, over this. They describe <laughs> it as a law originally imposed to address investors or, or just wealthy people who were piling on deductions. That law was repealed in 1986. That was called the minimum tax and replaced with this wholly different law that is essentially the most anti-family law in the country. But all the politicians in both parties who get up and tell you, I'm here for the American family, they won't do anything to fix that because it's a real moneymaker. And, and so was AMT, the, as distinct from the minimum tax, was AMT added on for revenue purposes? Yes. when they the, the promise of the 86 Act was something called revenue neutrality. We're not right. going to raise any more money under the new system than under the old system. And when they plugged all the numbers into the Treasury Department's computer, they came up short $1 billion. And so they thought this would be uh, this would fix it. It would raise about $1 billion uh, purely by happenstance, because I didn't cover taxes in those days. I got hit with it in – it took effect in 87. <laughs> I got hit with it in 1988 because I was involved in litigation over an investment property, and the, the, that made the litigation expenses, in theory, tax-deductible, except under the AMT they weren't. So I wasn't mm. able to deduct the, this, any of the business costs I had. Um, and so I became aware of it, but I didn't write about it until I found a family who really illustrated the problem, and I got a perfect family, uh, a couple, in uh, a, a lawyer, in uh, rural Kansas, they have 15 children. They're Presbyterians who don't believe in birth control. And one of their sons had cancer. And I got their tax returns, which they made so little money, $90,000, and they have 15 children, uh, that uh, they had to pay this tax. I put their tax returns for several years into TurboTax, completely replicated them. They have done them by hand to save money. And then analyze them by adding and removing children to see what happened. We did a whole chart showing how just having 15 children put them into the alternative minimum tax and then the medical bills to keep their son alive, who's now a grown-up and uh, his cancer, his childhood cancer has gone away, um, uh, raised their tax, their federal income tax bill. Wow. And um, it looks like that. Yeah, I know that the uh, 86 Act was, was given life at the, the Dubliner Pub and, and D.C. and, and Capitol. <laughs> yeah. and maybe maybe they spent a little too much time there, it seems. But um, well, it was it, 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 fundamentally it was pretty good law. I mean, it has some unintended negative consequences. The AMT is one. Um, uh, it 
but what has happened since then is this incredible gaming of the system. Um, now, I write for tax analysts, the nonprofit premier tax publisher of tax news in the country, but there's an organization called CCH that does uh, yes. technical tax manuals and things. And by their count, the tax co- system broadly defined, that is the statutes, the IRS manual, revenue rulings, private letter rulings, all of that that they put in their publications, it's grown 80% since 1995. The manual. 80%. The total amount of pages has grown 80% in the last 18 years. And, you know, this is not about you and me and most of the people listening to this. The the expansion of the tax code is because of these uh, basically rents sought by uh, very big companies and very wealthy individuals who um, hire lobbyists, and, uh, you know, uh, I contend that they actually own Congress. Some people think that's a little too strong. Okay, so they buy congressmen now and then for short periods of time. <laughs> they Which rent they them can now do, and then. They, they deduct um, and have a, 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 a carry forward um, if they don't get elected. But um, it, it's, I, I actually – I've worked with lobbyists in, in Washington, and I, I don't take that cynical of view. But I, I'm, I'm – what I've been troubled by is the, this growing use of offshore, and particularly you know, we in the tech industry and Apple being the kind of the the model company supposedly um, it has, and along with and others are now following suit, just enormous sums offshore, which. Uh, at one hand, they're, they're using a court system and to get a, a record patent verdict, and um, they, they want uh, us to uh, amend our immigration laws so that we can um, have more um, educated um, graduate students. But they're not paying into the system because it's all going offshore. Well, this this is a, a re- this is the real fundamental problem. Um, unfortunately, over the last thirty years, and remember that's long enough now that. The whole politics of the country have changed. Um, I, I always, in my lectures, I always say there are two dates that matter to understand America today, 1980 and 37. 1980 was the year Ronald Reagan was elected and took the country in a whole new direction. Whether you like him or don't like him, he changed the country. And 37 is the median age. Half of Americans are older and half are younger. Well, I'm sorry, uh, 37, if you were born 37 years ago, you don't know anything about, from your own experience, the world before Reaganism began, mm-hmm. which we're still in. Obama is uh, maybe Reagan-lite, but he's a, a, a Reaganite. And the um, uh, this has totally changed our views of things in this country. And so what corporations now, and it's not all corporations, there are 6 million corporations in America but 2,600 of them own over 80% of the assets. That's .00043% own over 80% of the assets. They're the ones who are gaming the system. And uh, they are building up these huge amounts of money offshore. It's, uh, by my count, about $3.4 trillion. Now, a lot of that money, by the way, is here in the U.S. They deposited an account with Chase Bank in New York, but the statement for that account will say, you know, uh, tax haven subsidiary number 416, Bermuda, or the Cayman Islands, or Switzerland, or Singapore, wherever they've put the money. And so it's even a fiction that it's, it's offshore. And this has several negative effects. It, you, you can track the, 
be uh, I'm actually building a, a a spreadsheet right now with the help of uh, one of my graduate students uh, showing that you can track the decreasing number of jobs in America on one line and the rising amount of cash offshore, and they parallel pretty well. That doesn't mean they're cause and effect, but, but they're correlated. And it leads to uh, encouraging risk-averse behavior by CEOs. Something like um, 22% of the money uh, raised through stock offerings in the 60s and 70s was savings, and the rest was immediately used to build a new factory or invest in research and expand the company. Today, it's the reverse. About 75% of the money from new stock offerings gets stuck in the bank. I don't know about you, but I don't buy stock in companies so they can put it in the savings account at the bank. I can put my own money in the savings account at the bank. I don't need to pay them an overhead charge for it. No, one thing I know it leads to is a, is a commercial break, but we'll be right back <laughs> with Pulitzer Prize-winning author, um, David Johnston, and more on perfectly legal and other tax issues after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 17th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 31st, 2013. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. 
And we're back with Pulitzer Prize-winning author David K. Johnston. Um, David, are you still with us? I sure am. And um, so it's interesting. We were talking before the break just about the the, the extent of the um, your offshore income being being shipped in, and and its effect on economic activity, or at least its correlation. And uh, so, do you really think that basically the the money's or is it, or just as a fair assumption that the monies that are going offshore could be contributed to the economy and aren't, and we're suffering oh, accordingly? I, 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 not only I firmly believe that, earlier today I was taking, speaking to the head of one of the biggest accounting firms in the country, and he was agreeing with me about it. Uh, Friday night I was on PBS NewsHour with Douglas Holzeekin, who was the chief economic advisor to Mitt Romney and was a George W. Bush White House economic advisor, and he was fundamentally agreeing with me about the principles of this. And remember, that's the corporate side. We also have these huge amounts of money that individuals are putting offshore, although in many cases they have a business that's just an alter ego for them. And we had the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists got this leak of data that appears to come heavily from uh, Singapore showing that, for example, the number two guy in the uh, French, uh, what we would call Treasury Department, after repeated denials, actually had a huge cache of untaxed money stuffed away offshore. I mean, this is lot, not everybody by any means is doing this, but lots of people are, and government can stop it. It chooses not to stop it. And I, I guess uh, I, I seem to recall after Line 11, um, Stanley Tools um, moved, which had been based in. Um, New Britain, Connecticut. I was thinking, I, I was wasn't sure it was Middletown or New Britain. I knew. Yeah, my and, and Stanley Stanley Works CEO, who was an acolyte of uh, Jack Welch, he had been a high executive at GE. He had this plan to move the company uh, on paper only to Bermuda, and I calculated that he would have it would have increased if his own projections of what it meant to the company worked. It was worth three hundred eighty three million dollars in additional pay to him. Um, he did not get to do it because he rigged the election. And if there, there are a lot of things that the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission may fail at. It may not you know, pay attention when Bernie Madoff gets reported to him. But if you rig a shareholder election, that's one that they, uh, they, they stand up on. And uh, Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut, then the Attorney General, went after him over this, and they never did actually on paper move. But other companies did. Ingersoll Rand. Uh, makes you know compressors and all sorts of heavy machinery. Uh, they did uh, move their company headquarters on paper, meaning literally they just rent a mailbox and pay right. the pay the Bermuda government about twenty six thousand dollars a year. And as a result, they save. They estimated they were going to save thirty to forty million dollars a year in taxes they wouldn't pay the uh, federal government. But it seemed that. Um and maybe it was just the PR spin, but Stanley Tools retreated because of the, it, this was right after 9-11. Right. And there was just a huge PR backlash. And But it seems that now that there's no shame in it. And, oh, that's you know, worn off. Yeah, that's worn off entirely. There is uh, I, the, 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 the only thing that's really changed, and there are people who either blame me or credit me with this, depending on their point of view, um, is that Surveys taken in the early to mid-90s up to the, the late 90s showed that the public did 
generally sort of thought the tax system was okay. They had rather mild criticisms about it. Now it's clear the overwhelming majority of Americans in survey after survey believe the tax system benefits the rich and comes at the expense of most people. That's been the change. But the details of it, that's something else. And it certainly has not affected the Republican leadership on Capitol Hill who are still pushing the same old, same old, which is essentially lower taxes for those who have had the greatest gain because they are in the United States. And um, it seems that as this progresses when, and to the point that you know, we have Apple you know, trying to blackmail the U.S. government saying, well, we'll bring the money back if you give me a tax holiday. Right. Um, have these companies, given the size of and their the size of their wealth and the, 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 these tax systems, have they become almost nation states of themselves? Oh, they, sure, yes. And, and the idea of an American company that actually will sometimes think of American interests, you know, like Ford, you know, or, you know during World War II and converting production to the war effort. I mean, is that a, is that notion entirely gone? Um, the, the, this idea that you're an American company has, is really on the wane. It's not true everywhere. But you remember, while the Twin Towers were still burning, uh, one of the big four accounting firms, and I forget which one now, had a webinar for its clients that I got a copy of and, and put, in, put on the New York Times website where a partner at the firm said, encouraging companies to do this Bermuda mailbox deal, um, that patriotism should take a back seat to profits and even mentioned you know the 9-11 attack i mean that's how how callous this has become and you know the, the simple fact is you cannot continue to be wealthy in a sick society right. you, you've got to have a healthy society if you want it to endure and the invention of progressive taxation and its moral basis is what gave birth to democracy in Athens 2,500 years ago. This is what I teach in the law in the graduate business school now at Syracuse University. And this has been largely lost. The idea that taxes are theft, that you get nothing for your taxes, has become remarkably pervasive. I actually had a, a student, when I spoke at Yale a few years ago, say to me, so what do they do with all these taxes? Is, is it like the garbage in New Jersey? Do they take it out in the, the middle of the Atlantic and open up the bottom and dump the money? And I have to tell you, my first thought was, and I hear I always thought you had to be smart to get into Yale. <laughs> Uh, we have a pre recent president that went there, so uh, think twice on that one. But yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just, yeah, it's astounding. I'm, but I know you're short on time, and um, you you have another engagement. But I want to thank you for joining us. This is a very important debate, and it's not just about um, Apple or other Facebook or Google's offshore account. It's really about. Um, what what is our role as citizens, in even as businesses, and, um, and I think that that gets lost in this debate. And um, you know, in a week when we have a horrific event, when you see people come together as citizens, you know, maybe this is a good time to talk about it. But I want to thank I, you for. Your, I, I hope so. Thank you. I want to thank you. Good luck with your book, and um, I'll, I'll shoot you the information about the uh, the. The selling the soul. Um, uh, I didn't sell That's mine. Great. I, I quit it. I'm a lawyer. It's already been leased. But uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Bye bye. And one of David K. Johnson, Pulitzer Prize winning author. And um, so it was really quite a, a coup to get him for today. Um, we have um, we have um, 
we we were in ad tech last week in San Francisco, and um, it is uh, it was definitely um, a good show and a lot of uh, I was like going to some of the smaller booths and seeing some of the emerging companies, and we had the opportunity to talk to several of them, and um, we're going to be airing some of those you know, brief little interviews and um, and I assure you that there was not. Um, too much alcohol involved, but <laughs> but we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, and we'll we'll, um, we'll lead into those after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? <laughs> You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. Aim Clear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Aim Clear, this is how you sell with social. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Get the latest news. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. All right, um, I'm with Sam Schneibel. Hi, how you doing? Sam, you are with Business Apps. Yes, that's correct. Where are you based? Uh, we're in Millbrae, California. Uh, we'll be about three years in June. And um, how are you enjoying AdTech? I uh, love it. It's a great place, a lot of great people, fun to network, and uh, get a lot of new technology going on here. So tell me, what does Business Apps do? Uh, business Apps make it makes it easy for a small business to enter the mobile marketing space and obtain their own uh, native app solution. Now, do you often find it challenging for small business and medium business-sized business to realize how they could use apps? Is that the first sell you have to make? is to educate them how apps could help their business. Uh, yes, because it's newer technology, there is a little lack of knowledge out there. Um, but once you explain the technology, relate it to uh, previous you know, mobile marketing through texting or websites, then they will understand what power it has and see how they can 
uh, focus all their marketing efforts just through this one hub. And wait, so where are you seeing the greatest groups, groups, the greatest growth in terms of mobile apps? Uh, greatest growth is definitely in the restaurant industry. Um, I think because it's similar to uh, websites and they understand how they can excel their business through that, that they just understand it. Um, but beyond that, uh, surprisingly, uh, churches is another big area. Really allows people to congregate and better stay in a community. Um, and then beyond that, um, you know, hotels, uh, gyms, fitness clubs, any other kind of B two C business that has a repeat customer um, traffic. Businesses that count on repeat engagement and you know stimulating them to come back over and over again. Exactly right. Uh, you know, it's it's after you acquire the clients, all about how do we keep them coming back? And uh, there's no better way than an app to retain that client through incentivizing, uh, notifying, and um, you know, convenient ways to do business ongoing. Now, the state attorney general here in California has been really big on uh, making privacy disclosures in mobile apps. Mm-hmm. And has that? How has that affected your business? And um, you know. Do you have built-in disclosures you know, geared as part of your development of the apps? Uh, yes, there's privacy disclosures um, and a part of our apps. Um, the privacy scene was more about a different type of app, not really a small business-related app, so it didn't really affect us. Um, but we do have a simple like uh, solution. It's just a link. Goes to privacy policy. Explains, you know, what what the app about, what you can can and can't do. Well, thank you very much. Nice talking to you. All right, nice talking to you too. We're here with Sean Wood from Cupid um, PLC, which owns a whole array of dating sites. Tell us about Cupid. Cupid is a yes, a network of dating sites, specifically aiming towards some niche markets. So we're we're tar- targeting towards single parents dating and uh, age specific niches, maybe over fifty. We our sites cover a multitude of, of uh, geographic locations. We're present here in the states and and. A uh, number of other countries, big presence in UK. As a company, we're based primarily in UK, and we have a, an office here in San Francisco and various other offices across Europe. And now, the online dating sector is just exploding. I mean, what what has your experience been in terms of you know, growth over the last couple of years? Well, our numbers uh, in terms of of, of uh, registrations, traffic, visitors, uh, and revenue. Uh, have grown dramatically over the past two years uh, for the most part. I think in the last 12 months we've seen a, a, a doubling of our revenue. Uh, we're now listed on the London Stock Exchange as we have been so since June 2010 so our revenue figures are all public. Uh, so we, no, we've just, we identified this as being a growing business and it hasn't failed to deliver. Now you were saying or, you know, offline we were talking and I was talking with one of your colleagues about you have niche um, sites, you know, for example, the uniform dating or Indian dating. Is is the growth higher with the niche sites as opposed to the non-niche sites? No, not necessarily. Just just generally in uh, across the the whole internet world, we found that dating just has become less of a stigma and just more a uh, part of mainstream life. So, irrespective of whether it's a niche or or a a sort of broad interest site like Cupid.com. Uh, we've, we've just seen growth all over the place, and a lot of that's been doing down to smartphone adoption and iPads and this sort of thing. So that's that's fueled this 
this renewed interest, you know, in this. And do you guys use mobile apps for the dating sites? Yes, for all every, every one of our sites has a, a mobile version, or it has an app that you can download for free from iTunes or, uh, or yeah, or the Android platform. We also have optimized apps for tablet devices, so all all our sites accessible not only through these various. Uh, devices, but also through social media as well. So Facebook apps, for example. Now, um, you know, I I can hear through your New York accent that it sounds like your company is based in Scotland, right? Yes, I'm based in Edinburgh, Scotland. Yes, and that, that was uh, no effort to put a New York accent on there at all. <laughs> that, that that was a little bit of sarcasm. So, uh, is, is Scotland going to make it to the cup? Uh, um, I'll sit on the fence. I don't want to f- criticize my fellow sportsmen. But uh, it's, we've never been too great at footballs uh, historically, so my, I've got my fingers crossed. All right, well, best of luck to you. It was nice talking to you. Excellent. Thank you. Hi, this is Ben and Kelly. We're here with Sharon Kaufman. Um, he's the president of Distant Job, and um, they're based in Montreal. And he's here at AdTech San Francisco. Sharon, tell us about what is Distant Job. Distant Job is what you would call a remote placement agency. We specialize in finding very high quality talent in uh, countries which are which have a low labor cost. They they're, they're known for their outsourcing, such as Romania, Bulgaria, India, um, um, Ukraine, and we take those talents. Unlike an outsourcing company, we don't take on the project. We literally find people that will work directly for North American companies. And they work in real time, eight hours per day, and they work during North American business hours, which creates a better relationship. Non-focused managers, you know you're working with, they work under your processes and core values, which makes it a much higher quality type of service for for the offshore industry. So is this um, for use, what, is there like a, a type of, a size of project or duration of project that you usually handle? We're in the job giving business, right? So the idea is that there's no time project. We really want to give people jobs back in those countries, which we're hoping that the client will hire this individual on on a permanent basis. Hopefully he's going to fall in love with them so much that he's like, why not? Let's even have more people. So there's, it's not project-based, really is time-based. And are there certain industries that you focus on or your types of projects? Is it mostly tech projects that you work on or...? It's strictly tech, okay. right? It's a we're the te- we're we're focused on the tech industry. We whether mobile or what mobile web or even desktop, and um, there, there's no specification outside that. So if I want some development work done, and I'm looking at you know I'm in Santa Monica, California, or you know else if I want to look elsewhere in the U.S. or in um, out outsource, what what would you be able? What would you tell me? What would I be able to tell you? You, you say, would, oh, I need a development project. How, how could you help me? Well, the key, key component is that we don't provide development. We provide developers. Right. Right. That is a, a key differentiator and the important aspect. The people that we provide work at about a third of North American salaries. Okay. Maybe if you compare it to more affordable states, about 50% of North American salaries. And... Um, and we like to think that we have the capacity to provide even higher quality people. Many of the outsourcing, freelancing type of services out there, they, they talk about just price. I'm talking more about I'm going to provide you people which are 
higher quality, and in the meantime, I will save you some money. All right, this is our this is our people that uh, that this is our people that really filter by us. We're really special. We really are specialists in filtering for the best talents, and we're headhunters. We're not just a service that is looking around for freelancers. And and you know, this is these are you know difficult economic times everywhere, and. You know, it, this outsourcing is somewhat of a political issue sometimes. What do you say to people who say, hey, you're outsourcing you know, American or Canadian jobs? Political, the political issue around outsourcing is a very heavy one, but I, I, for one, think that I'm doing something incredibly positive. I don't think I actually see every day how I provide jobs for people living in countries that back maybe 20 years ago were considered a complete charity case. Right. Back in the days, we would give them money just to keep them alive. We would literally give them the fish. I have taught those people how to fish. Right. On top of it, I don't believe that the economy, the American economy, uh, has lost to, this, to, to some of those countries. As you notice, that unemployment never went down until that banking fiasco that we had right. a few years back. Employment went down with the banking. Yes, the, the, unemployment the, went up. I, I, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, that's a, so. Th- there was never change in unemployment when they started outsourcing. The reality is that job really just changed. Right. right? Really, what really what happens is when you when you work with using India as an example, but it could be everywhere else. That that when. Indians, India is the fastest growing middle class in the world right now. And the, the things that they purchase is Nike, Pizza Hut, uh, any Western and American products, which brings back jobs to America. At the end of the day, the jobs, we always hear about people losing jobs to India, but we never hear about what happens three months later when their job is transitioned to management. So I think we're doing something positive. We're giving jobs to people and the economy and the unemployment is still the same. What, what are the emerging um, kind of outsourcing markets? Have everyone's heard about India and then the, maybe the Philippines, but what are some of the other markets that you've been working with that you think are promising? You know, I got to tell you, I, I, Armenia is great these days. Bulgaria is, is, is coming up. There's, there's those interesting small Eastern European countries, which are absolutely a pleasure to work with. They, they have this... Culture, they have this culture because they're smaller. They're, they there's less conflict, there's ne- less politics, and they're really out there to do a better job. Right now, so I really enjoy those uh, those countries. Now, now, one out bit of outsourcing we talked about earlier that I'd like to ask you about was the outsourcing of the expos to the nationals. Why <laughs> right, such such a painful topic? <laughs> it's like, why would you bring that up? No, it's uh, does Montreal? Do you guys can do you guys in Montreal still root for the team and under the room Washington or no? No, no, not whatsoever. Right, we're bitter. Right, as far as we're concerned, this is not the expos. Right, this is we like our hockey. Thank God hockey is around, and uh, it, it, we're settled with the hockey. It's, it's, it works well. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. A pleasure. It was really fun. So, hi. Well, we're here at AdTech, and I am talking to um, Tinkai Sen, and she is the manager for mobile advertising for Tappet Media Group. And Tinkai, thank you. So how are you enjoying AdTech? Oh, I love the show. It's very entertaining. It's it's amazing for business. It's good to meet people from all across the globe who come here. 
So I actually enjoy the show both in terms of mobile advertising and just for social networking. So tell me a little about Tap It. It's kind of an interesting name. Basically, it's used in cultural jargon. I know. That's what people normally like, Tap It. Well, Tap It is actually what every we want all our users to do on the phone, like tap their phones, right? So Tap It does uh, mobile advertising uh, globally for both brands as well as DR campaigns. That means we run education, dating, insurance, uh, performance-based campaigns pretty much across the blue board as well as we work with agencies and advertisers running branded campaigns, say for McDonald's, Starbucks, Estee Lauder, etc. And we focus both on rich media as well as the standard IAB banners and we run it across with HTML5 tags. Now, you know, I've come, come to ad tech for a number of years and you know, what's interesting is just doing an eyeball look at booths. Um, the number of mobile sites and booths um, it just seems to have exploded is, is it, you know, how are you finding the response to this market? Well, mobile is the medium. Six out of ten people sleep with their phones nowadays. You know, everyone's on their tablets or some sort of device. So, um, mobile is definitely the medium either clients or advertisers are looking to step into or they're already into it and they're running mobile campaigns. So, um, it's definitely uh, something which is very interesting for us as we are a mobile network and we love helping both potential clients as well as advertisers who are already in the space. Now, what distinguishes your company from other people's in the mobile space? Uh, we recently got acquired by Funware, so they develop specialized apps for Disney, NASCAR, NFL, and they also have sponsorship within those apps. So we are a great blend between running mobile campaigns for other companies as well as if they need enhancement with their app development, we can help out with that too. Now you guys are based in Paris, France? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm very happy we're here in Irvine, California, Orange County. Now, there's a lot of talk about the, the buzz in, in, in just north of you about Silicon Beach. Do you guys feel you're part of Silicon Beach or distinct from Silicon Beach? Well, we're a part of not only Silicon Beach, we're a part of all this uh, entire mobile environment across the globe. But it's nice to be in Orange County a little unique by ourselves we're a very fun cool company at the same time doing what needs to be done in the mobile space well thank you very much Tinka very nice talking to you and I hope you get a chance to go to the happiest place on earth very soon thank you so much appreciate alright I'm here with Vince Mundy he's the CEO of Optilly and uh, we're here at um, AdTech Vince how did you come up with the name Optilly well we wanted to come up with something that signified optimization. And when we were thinking of a name for optimization, we threw out, threw out a lot of names like Optima, Optimus. And when we started searching, we found Optilly, and it was for eight bucks, so you can't go wrong. We found a dot com for eight bucks. So you are the $8 mogul. Yes. It's all about eight bucks. So our investors actually told us, hey, Vince, why don't you spend 25 k on a domain? And I was like, hell no. So tell us about Optilly. What is what are your products? Uh, Optilly is a Facebook ad optimization platform. So what that means is we change bids on your Facebook ads every five minutes to lower your uh, click prices and increase your profits. And you also have a, a, a desktop. Yes, Install Monetizer is a Windows paper install network. So in case you have Windows software and you want to monetize it, we can help you get make more money on your software. And so how are you enjoying the show? I love the show, man. I just had a beer. 
That was a lot of fun. It's five o'clock, and uh, yeah, the girls are all excited right now. So yeah, more and, drinking coming up. And so, and the customers are good too. The, the, uh, that is relevant, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Now, um, you're, you're based. Where are you based? Sunnyvale. Is it always sunny there? Always, more than San Francisco. Now, I, I see one of your employees has been injured. Yes. What, what happened? We take uh, employee reviews really seriously in our company. Now, um, it, you have a broken foot? One part. Well, how did you break your foot? High heels. Oh, that'll do it all the time, every time. So, um, I want to thank you, and good luck. Have a, have a good show. Awesome. Thank you, man. And uh, I want to thank all of the uh, the people I spoke with um, for taking the time to talk with me, and including those um, who uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to. Um, so, but it, it was a pleasure being being with them. Um, and so we have a few minutes left, but a couple of things I just want to cover. Um, the the tax debate is an important debate, and um, it is happening not just in the tech community, but you know it seems that some of the worst offenders are in the tech community, and I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Um, in addition, uh, um, there was going to be a vote today on the gun legislation in the Senate. And uh, I, as you know, I, I know Gabby Giffords, and uh, and I know she's asking for people's support on this bill. And if you have an if you have an opinion on this bill, I, I'd encourage you to contact your senator and let them know what your what your feelings are, because this is an important vote. Uh, we really haven't had any um, movement in gun control in the United States in uh, in a long time, and um, this is a a very modest measure to say the least. And but at least it's it's a step in the, the right direction after what happened um, in, in Connecticut. And um, and then finally on um, the Boston Marathon, I'm actually, it's a it's a great marathon. It, it's the, the, the grandest in the country and it's the oldest one in the world. Um, and I've actually attended it and it's, it's quite a festival. Um, and, and I've been at the finish line and that's really, it's a lot of fun to watch people come in and to cheer with the people next to you for their loved ones and um and I actually had some family members who apparently were in that region, um, but escaped them, um, fortunately, because their friend finished earlier than they thought. Um, had it been last year when there was um, extreme heat, uh, it would have been different. There would have been a lot more people there. And actually, I just wanted to bring up last year. Uh, last year, over 100 people were taken to the hospital um, for a different type of threat. Um, it wasn't terrorism. And, uh, and um, we had a, a extreme heat. There was over. It was close to ninety degrees. Uh, it, it was eighty nine degrees. It was the peak temperature that day and um, last year. And so, yeah, as a result, you had the um, defending champions. Both of them dropped out. You had six of the seventeen elite women dropping out, and four of the twenty elite men dropping out. 2,000 runners received medical treatment, and 120 runners were taken to the hospital by ambulance. And um, you know, that's a sign of global warming. And that's, um, that's another reality that affects us, whether we're in tech or not. So um, we only have a few seconds left, but I want again um, to extend our, our deepest sympathies to all those affected by the tragedy in Boston and, um, and hope that we can achieve a quick resolution and um, and then we move forward. And um, I, I 
give a lot of praise to the response of the community in Boston, um, to the first responders, and also to the citizens, and for the 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 swiftness and their help and their caring. And um, it was, you know, they they did themselves proud. And um, so, you know, Boston's a tough town, and we're, you know, as a New Englander, we're um, we, we've 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 stood. These are the people that stood up to the English, and when they were the world superpower, and they're, they're not afraid of much. And so, whoever thought that they're going to make Boston cower, well, they got nothing coming. They don't know what they're up against. And so, all I can say is, um, we everyone is united with Boston this week, and um. Let's just hope that we can move forward and, and get this resolved. And I want to thank you for joining us again for another Cyber Law and Business Report. And uh, we'll be continuing this discussion on tax and other issues as we go forward. And um, so please um, join us next week for our 99th Cyber Law and Business Report. Until then, this is Bennett Kelly from Broadcasting Live from Internet Law Center in Santa Monica, California, the heart of Silicon Beach. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Um, courts adjourned. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmaster.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.